This is Real Talk, the Customer Insights Show with Jen Vogel. Jen and her guests share valuable information to help you understand your customers better. Available wherever you listen to podcasts, you can also ask Alexa or Siri to play Real Talk. This episode is presented to you by Vox Popme, the leader in video surveys. Here's today's episode. Hello, insights professionals, marketers, and everyone who wants to understand your customers better. Thanks for joining me for another episode of Real Talk, the Customer Insights Show. Hearing from our customers also means we understand the health of our relationships with them. So who wants to be in a toxic relationship? No one. Hopefully none of your customer relationships ever go from love to toxic, but what if it goes from love to the friend zone? Let's have a real talk today about customer health. I'm excited to chat about this with Braden Johnstone, our SVP of customer success at Vox Popme, where he builds lasting business relationships with our customers. Welcome, Braden. Super. Thanks for that intro and uh, excited to be here. I feel like you and I get to have these powwows regularly, but never live. So what a great chat in a new new environment. So thanks for the invitation. New environment, so everybody's being welcomed into our private conversations. This will be uh... scary. It's really scary. All <laughs> right, we'll try to keep it uh, keep it clean for everybody out there, so we don't get a, a parental advisory on our podcast. <laughs> so no swearing. <laughs> well, I'm really excited to have you on today and to talk a little bit about customer health. And I want to hear from you. You know, when we talk about customer health, like what does that mean to you? How do you define customer health? Yeah, cool. First off, um, it is a topic that I love. So it is really near and dear to me. Um, so I'm happy to have a chance to talk about it. Um, you know, at the simplest of levels, like customer health is just simply trying to understand the state of your relationship. Um, you know, I could go back and I, I think about the, the, the progression in terms of our industries have gone through. Um, 20 years ago, when I started in this space, you know, what this might look like and customer health might look like looked very different than, than it does today for us. Um, specifically, you think about the transactional nature of maybe working in a service business. I worked at this um, in market research for the last 20 years and working for the supply side. Our interactions with our customers tend to be very transactional. So there was always that initial scoping of work, you know, proposal, commissioning to execution. And then hopefully the end, there'd be some feedback like you did, did a job well done or maybe things weren't, didn't go as smoothly. So you constantly had that feedback. You would have two really key indications. One, clients would probably generally put direct feedback in terms of their experience and that work that you were doing. Or two, you know, you also had sales pipeline. So those are two really clear indicators that you're always getting feedback on. And because they were always doing work with you, potentially you're always getting that, that feedback. Or we live today and much of the industry has moved to, we, Fox bought me our subscription model. And so that life cycle looks entirely different. So from start, of our engagement to the to the end of term, sometimes it's 12 months and a lot can happen in 12 months. So it's just imperative that over that period of time, we have some type of mechanisms to allow us to be able to listen and to understand the state of that relationship. And so now there are things that we've learned that are within our control, um, but there's also things that are completely outside of our control. So within our control at the simplest of levels is our customers getting what they wanted to get out of their um, without their investment. Things that aren't within our control, things like corporate restructures and budget losses and pandemics. I mean, yeah. like think about the like, last 12 months, like if you were in food services, 
um, these industries were decimated and um, they've gone through really tough times. So when you think about us um, in, on customer success and wanting to understand what customer health is, those types of factors are really important to us. Um, so, I mean, I think your other question was like, how do you define it? And I'd like to say there is like a, like a secret sauce, like, and there are best practices out there that give some guidance in terms of how customer health is, is measured. But it is really needs to be unique to your business and it has to be unique to your customers as well. So, um, you know, for us, what was really important is that customer health was something that we could measure and we can measure like in real time without a ton of effort. Um, meaning like it shouldn't require a Herculean effort on the, on, on the team or on processes to be able to pull customer health together. Um, it needs to be something that we can get access to and get access to quite regularly. Um, so that was really, really important to us. So it's about having the right listening tools in place that allowed us to kind of always survey the landscape of our customers. So that was really important. And then obviously it being in real time was really, really, really important to us too. I related to what you were talking about of, you know, over the last 20 years in the industry yeah, and right. being so transactional. And I think I felt like over the years, even those transactional experiences, even those like kind of non-subscription model experiences, there, there grew an expectation for more of a consultative type of engagement with customers, even though it was still transactional. Um, and I think that expectation continues to grow in the industry of like the, the, the companies that our, our customers are partnering with, whether it's us in the subscription model or others in a more transaction, transactional model, there, there's an expectation that there is this like relationship where you're my partner and you're going to help me figure this stuff out on a day to day. Um, it's still so important that that part has not been lost at all. Like, yeah. As, as our, as, as our tools have changed, still the dependency on experts and expertise in the space mm -hmm. becomes absolutely critical. And I would say is really true for us as well, because one of the things that is, I think are, is unique to us is that, our technology in many ways is not a direct replacement to alternatives out there. It is, is completely a new way of doing qualitative, gathering qualitative feedback and insights. And because of that, there is a need for um, our direct help and to be able to guide and you know provide clarity and, and guidance on best practices and ways in which they can really maximize tools like ours. And I think it's really crucial also what you said there at the end about, you know, it needs to be something that can be measured. You know, however you're measuring it, it might be different business by business, but like it needs to be something you can measure. And I like I can relate to that just on the marketing side of things. Like you can measure anything. Yeah. You just have to pick the KPI. You know, you can even measure the unmeasurable. And so I feel like that's really important. So like for us, what measurements and strategies do we use to understand our customer health? Yeah, sure. Um, yeah, so like I was saying, there is a lot of ways to do it. And because we were so determined to introduce something that would give us something that would be repeatable and measurable without a ton of work, we started looking at things like activity. So how our customers are, how frequently are our customers engaging with the tool? And we measure that usage or engagement against a perceived plan or desired outcome. So it's always being assessed in time, like based off of the state of that engagement, whether they're within their first month of working with us, whether they're in year two, we always know where we would expect them to be based off of their life cycle. 
And so that gives us an ability to, you know, directionally understand if our customers are engaging and utilizing our tools at the right, uh, at the right cadence effectively. Um, now it's not, you know, it's not a, in, in itself, it's, it, it's not, a, you know, a complete slam dunk. It, for, you know, I mentioned, I use the word directional because it does give us a directional indicator. The idea is, is that it gives us ability to see if we think customers are going way above plan and is and are just crushing it or maybe falling a little bit short. And for us to then utilize that information to explore deeper. So, you know, that may involve us drilling down a little bit more closely to understand well, if they're not engaging and utilizing the tool as frequently as they thought, what is the reason for that? Is it maybe there's not enough users that are engaging the tool? Maybe we have one person or two people that are really adopted it, but beyond that, maybe it doesn't run so deep. So that creates visibility into potential vulnerability, or maybe there's been an, an increase of technical support requests lately that are highlighting maybe some trouble they're having with, with maybe a feature or the use of the tool. And then there's other things that we look at like, you know, MPS or customer satisfaction. We do rely on this and we're so thankful for our customers to provide feedback because you know, we too, it, it's really kind of a funny spot that we're in. And I always, like, for, the, for the last how many years they've been running um, you know, MPS-like surveys and, it, and it, it always kind of is a challenge to get market researchers to participate in research. And I can appreciate it. Like I myself live in like surveys all day long. It's, it's you know, getting one, taking myself. But it is something that's so valuable to our business. And so as our clients provide um, their feedback, it gives us something to latch on to and respond to. So that that is something that is, is, is a way we measure. And then I would say the last one is there's a su subjective assessment. Like we have an awesome team here across the board from customer success to project management to sales and product, you name it. Um, uh, there is there are so many cues and indicators that come forward, whether it's through uh, direct interactions and talking with customers through support and et cetera, that give us indications of customer state and health. And so we always have to be listening to that as well. As I mentioned, we, we have metrics that allow us to, to, to get actionable insights and direction directional insights um, quickly but we have the expertise of people to help interpret those and um, shape those into action. There's a, there's quite a nice balance there of like measuring what people are actually doing with what they're saying, with yeah. what we're seeing um, to kind of get a very well-rounded view. But, you know, that is a lot to look at. Are we looking at that in aggregate? Like, are we looking at it drilling down to each individual customer? Like, how do you scale a program like that if, you know, we kind of do need to dig into individual. Hundred percent. Well, you hope that with with active listening and responding to that, you are able to manage the majority to a state of what we feel are in, in strong or good health, and that gives you an ability to focus in on maybe the areas that really require additional time and attention. It does. It you know the the work really does start once you've identified that maybe there's a problem. And that work doesn't, you know, that that indicator, that data may be telling you something that you feel pretty confident about, but it, until you start down and start talking to a customer, really understanding what the barriers are, um, it's really hard to really start actioning and solutioning anything. And that becomes work that falls to the team. Um, obviously, we try to make it as repeatable as possible. So if we can support the, you know, if we can identify a core theme that is a problem that many of our customers potentially have faced. And the solution becomes hopefully pretty clear.
because we've resolved that conflict before. And so it becomes a repeatable exercise through um, you know, playbooks that are designed to drive maybe more engagement with new with new users that have um, not, not been exposed or adopted the tool or highlighting the the, the benefits that or the, um, the through inspiration and in case studies that maybe other exploratory areas that our clients aren't thinking about. And so um, we try to obviously um, make it as repeatable as possible so that we can make sure that we're obviously devoting all our time and attention towards resolving some of these challenges. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And so, you know, if we we kind of have a good um, a good motion to take a look at, you know, customers that might be vulnerable and, you know, focus on them. And and I love that there's, you know, repeatable playbooks. We've seen a, a customer in the past have yeah. this similar challenge. We know how to solve that for them. That just makes it more efficient for us and for the customer. I'm sure, yeah. you know, they really appreciate having that. And, you know, so like, you know, that's kind of looking at the ones that are vulnerable and the customers that might need a little additional support. But, and obviously we don't want toxic relationships or challenging relationships, but what would, what does it look like to be in a good state of consumer, of customer health? Yeah, totally. Well, um, I'll just point out too, like if you've reached a state of toxicity, there's a good chance you're not listening to customer health. <laughs> <laughs> the whole idea of customer health is to avoid toxic relationships. So um, totally. I'll just say that's, we recognize that if we've got to that point, we've, we clearly have fallen down somewhere along the way. There's uh, probably red flags early on. All over the place. Like <laughs> um, so, but nonetheless, like, I do like it's funny because we always we talk about the the challenge with maybe an unhappy customer and I'll just point this point out really quickly because I do this is something that we really preach really well is uh, it's these 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 challenges our customers face are massive opportunities for us uh, opportunities for us to help our customers overcome some of the challenges whether it's within their own businesses or also business their own business utilizing our tool um, and so if we can help navigate those problems on the other side we hopefully can feel be that much closer to the customer. There is so much relationship to what we do. It's not all transactional. It's all not metric driven. It is people driven, so much of it. And so if we can um, really use this to kind of help support conversations so we hear the problems and then follow resolution, like we can really become the hero for our customers at the end of the day. And that, that goes far for building, going beyond potentially a toxic relationship and hopefully building what we'd like to you know, get our clients to as strong advocates. Um, but to your point about what is ideal state, like for us, it's like, are they using the tool way more than they had ever even anticipated? Like that would be, that's one that's for us is like an ideal state. Um, are they functioning almost like a hundred percent autonomously? Like, do they not depend on us to be able to uh, get what they need and want out of the platform? You know, are they promoting those capabilities across businesses? They're finding so much success with it that they're introducing the capabilities to peers and colleagues and, and sharing those out within the organization. And then, you know, we love them. Like we're fortunate, we are so fortunate, you know better than anybody, but we have we have a lot of those customers that are so outspoken about the capabilities that they want to work with us. They want to join Real Talk or um, you know invest in in marketing talk and case studies and and those would be really obvious indicators for us that customers are in really good health they're utilizing the tool they're doing it autonomously um, they're, they're promoting the capabilities internally and they're working with our marketing to kind of help us and help them just 
further the messaging and the capabilities of our solution. So like that, I mean, I would say you can have a healthy customer and maybe check three of those boxes, but like, you know, you hit all four, you're doing really well. Yeah. Yeah. Having people who are willing to talk about good experiences. So I'll share, I, this is, uh, in my marketing 101 class in college, I won't say how many years ago, <laughs> but I'll never forget. We learned that like if somebody has a positive experience, they share that with three people. This is with any kind of consumer brand or or shopping experience or travel. You have a good experience, you share that with three people. You have a bad experience, you share that with 11 people. Yeah. So, you know, Few, so few of us actually like go out of our way to promote those good experiences. You know, it's got to be like that stellar. Yeah. It's meeting all my needs. I'm getting everything I needed out of it from a value perspective. So I totally agree when we've got people who, you know, we're working so closely with and are wanting to talk more about the work that we're doing together that we're partnering on. It's really exciting because you know, just from your own experience of how often do you share the tools that you work with or, you know, it's exciting. Yeah, it sure is. Yeah, uh, the, I can't, can't agree with you more, 100%. Yeah. yeah, it's like all the more reason to pre prevent bad experiences because <laughs> they're more, more so gonna share those than they are the good 100%. ones. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's just funny about that too. Um, you know, I, I think we see that too, as we, we advise our own customers. I think it's quite clear in measuring customer experience that you tend to get the, the ends of the spectrum, like the polar op, like polar, like the strong advocates or the strong detractors. And, um, yeah. you know, it's oftentimes the middle of the road that kind of gets lost because they're not as outspoken. They usually want to talk about how good the experience or how bad the experience was. Right. Let's make yeah. more good experiences for sure. For sure, yeah. yeah. So you, you rarely get the, it was fine. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No. People don't tend to go out of their way to give that feedback, but. Uh, I, think, I don't remember the last time I took a survey myself and I said it was fine. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> it's usually, yeah, usually either end of the spectrum for sure. So I guess to that point, like how often should we be checking in on customer health sure. or should any company be checking in on customer health? Sure. Um, you know, as, as I said, I think it's really important to have an always on, always listening approach. Um, nonetheless, is that there needs to be a lot more conservative effort towards diving deeper into understanding the other maybe um, outside variables that are influencing that. Um, and that can't be done in real time all the time because it does require um, time and attention and probably also some discovery and conversations with customers. Um, so usually what we try to do is, is we are always actively listening to specific indicators. And if the indicators are, sh are showing sharply in either direction, then there is, it's an indication for us to take action. And we meet as a, as a team every single, you know, every single week, monthly, we generally review and do a, a close audit in terms of how we are doing on, on these specific metrics. And uh, if there is any major swing, from any of our customers, then there is a very clear course of action that comes over that. And we do even uh, more granular deep dives on a quarterly basis. We find change is hard to realize over 30 days. Um, we are, everything's so fast moving. Nonetheless, realizing the change that we're trying to realize can always be done in a short amount of time. And so we do have quarterly outlooks. And so as a, as a business unit, we look at um, uh, each quarter, how's the state of our, our, our customers doing um, across each of our customer success managers and identifying 
customers that we feel are um, emphasizing all the characteristics that we want to see and customers that are emphasizing maybe characteristics we want to see improved. Um, and those that we feel need to be improved, then we, we work collectively as a group to try to action based off of what we think to be some of the challenges are. And none of it can be done without collaboration with customers. Um, it does require some involvement. You know, the hardest thing for us can be is getting into those conversations and go, hey, you know, we just want to help us understand maybe why, you know, you're not engaging in the way you, we originally thought you you set out to do in the very beginning. Um, and the response, oh, no, everything's fine. Everything's great. And we do hear that sometimes, right? And, you know, we, really? Because it's been 120 days since you logged into the platform. Like, oh, maybe there's something. So, like, those tend to be a little bit harder conversations. And there's maybe so many other uh, um, challenges that our clients are facing. Like, one thing that we constantly see is our customers have so many tools to choose from and, like, making sure they always have the right ones at the right time. And so helping us, help you know, helping them help realize the best fit for what BoxPotMe can do. Um, is something that we're always trying to do. And so, um, yeah, those those ongoing internal touch points and then also discussions with the customers allows us to kind of take action appropriately. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, it's really like our pro... Welcome to the show, my dog, Henrik. I knew that oh. was going to happen today. <laughs> um, hopefully it doesn't wake up your dog, Brayden. We'll just have a, a dog show. Yeah, um, he's doing good so far. Yeah, nice. Um, but yeah, a lot of what we do internally is exactly what we are recommending to our customers in terms of frequency. It's like there's an always on program for certain indicators. There's things that we do weekly, things we do monthly, things we do quarterly yeah. or like for different purposes, like measuring different um, different objectives. And so we can constantly be staying close to our customers and, and how important it is to be able to, you know, I think I'm aware of that in some ways, but just as we're having this conversation, I'm like, this is, a, you know, we do internally exactly what we recommend that our customers do. Um, yeah. And I'm, I'm finding a, like just a lot of appreciation for our customers. We do ask for a lot in terms mm -hmm. of feedback. It's like, please answer our surveys and please join our interviews with our product team and our product marketing team. And our customers are so great and co-collaborating yeah. with us. And, and I'm so grateful. They are. Yeah, we are very, I'm very thankful. We have a, a mm -hmm. great group of customers that are, are equally invested in the success yeah. of our tool as we are. And so that, yeah. that certainly helps. It feels like we're working in, in partnership as you started this conversation off with, right? Yeah, yeah. completely. All right. Well, um, so I guess looking at like all of that measurement that we're doing along the way, the good, the bad, and the ugly, what do you recommend in terms of follow-up once, you know, you kind of understand that state of health? You started to talk a little bit about that, that tough conversation, like, hey, it's not looking like you're using it the way you intended. Like, I guess, what, what are the different ways in which we follow up when we get those results? Yeah, sure. I mean, like I mentioned, like it really starts by, First off, by validating our hypothesis, and that's you know goes with some level of discovery. It, it's just some open-ended questions, just to say like, hey, tell, you know, tell us a little bit about some of the you know things that are going on in your business. Help us understand how what impact you know the VoxPuppy tool is having. Is it achieving those real initial outcomes that we had desired? Um, and if not, then it's about like, what is it that's impeding that? Oftentimes, we go into it with some preconceived notions. As you said, we do have a lot of um, indicators already on our side that tell us, you know, is it um, 
uh, is it um, not utilizing the right features? Is it um, you know breadth of usage? Maybe not enough people that are exposed and using a tool. Or are they not using our our, our our best and core use cases? Um, those things may be in things that we already know going into that conversation. So we may have an idea of it, but it really we have to kind of come to an agreement. And this and and I think it's for us to be clear in terms of the direction we're going. We collectively have to agree on the problems that we're trying to solve, right? It can't be done. Like it's really difficult to be done to to do independently. Like we can try to overcome some of those obstacles, but if our clients don't necessarily buy into those being the challenges, then we're not working towards the same common goals. We have to be able to align in terms of what it is that is maybe impeding or not progressing or um, you know getting to that desired outcome we talked about. Mm -hmm. So that's first and foremost. It's and it's fundamental that we actually have to come to that that conclusion. From there, it becomes about how do we action it. And as I mentioned, there are things that maybe are a little bit more prescriptive, but you know, each customer need oftentimes tends to be unique. And so we have to think about what it is that they're specifically trying to overcome and, and with our tool um, so that we can suggest and shape um, action that will specifically address those things. And um, we'll point out is really important is to really get the customer back to what we perceive to be good health it's more than just uh, recognizing and like, okay, these are maybe the challenges and this is how we overcome it. It's actually getting closure. It's like the final and most important piece. Like it is so imperative that if we, if we come together and say, okay, this is the things that we're gonna do to address these concerns or these challenges, we're gonna action these over the course of the next five, six weeks. And hopefully maybe it's a shared investment. Both sides are invested in, in making change, but we were actually coming back and then reconciling and going, hey, these are the things we talked about. These are the things we agreed on. This is the progress we've made. How have these addressed those concerns? And did this free us up from achieving, free us up so that we can achieve what we intended on achieving in the remaining six months that we have? That's the most important part. And um, it's something that our, our team kind of really embodies. We stress it's one thing to hear the problems, another thing to action the problem until you get closure that the problem has been addressed. Like the problem is still out there. And so that closure is the most critical aspect. And so once you've actually that, like, you know, you hope to see, you know, you measure change over time and you would have new behaviors you would start to see on the on the heels of that. Um, but if they don't, then it becomes a rinse and repeat. It becomes, okay, well, maybe that didn't address the problems that we we thought were were there. Like, let's revisit and let's kind of reaction. What are we going to do now? Um, so it is a continual motion if it, if it comes to that. But we really hope that, um, you know, we can have constructive conversations from the start and we can agree to what it is that we want to do to overcome and then we can help solution that. Our team is super resourceful. So if they hear there's a problem, they're like, okay, let me, I'm going to do whatever I possibly can to try to solve that problem. Sometimes they have to say, I'm like, that's not even on us. Like I, I can't control their budget, like, you know, or whatever it may be. But, um, they, you know, as soon as they hear that there's a problem or something that potentially is impeding, like they really want to make sure that they're removing that blockage. And so um, there is a inherent desire and in, in on our side to make sure that we can help, help our clients through this. Because we do feel like there's so much in what it is that we're doing. Like we all buy in, like I don't have to sell you here, but we all buy in what Me is doing and super ex excited about how transformational it's been for some. And we really want to help our clients uh, make that real. Yeah. And I think what you just said was like the biggest aha for me that this is all of the things that we're measuring or that we're monitoring or we're getting feedback on is all designed to help reach help our customers reach their goals. Those are not our goals, 
those are like what needs to happen to know that our customers are getting what they intended to get out of it. And I think that's the biggest key, right? Is like it being about them and what they need to achieve. And that if there's something that's not working, that our customers aren't quite getting what they need, that we have ways to identify that and, and fix that. I couldn't say it better. <laughs> well, you did, you did say it better. I just like, I'm just repeating what you said, but I think that's the biggest, like, I think in all these kind of conversations that we have about understanding customers and working with customers, like there are a lot of businesses out there that are like, it's much easier to focus on what's important to us as a business, right? That's the easy thing to look yeah. at, but to align what's important to us with helping our customers achieve their goals, that's a totally different scenario. Sure is, sure is. And it is very different customer by customer, but finding that common ground and creating those playbooks that like help our customers to, you know, over and over again, meet their, meet their goals. That's, that's really exciting. Yeah. Uh, but like we said before, we're very lucky. We've got some amazing yeah. customers who are like willing to, to take that ride with us. So it's a lot that of fun. They that they are. Awesome. Well, this has been super fun. Thanks everybody for like listening to our little normally Friday conversations. We're all, we said this before, we're going to have a chat on a Monday and we're going to think it's going to be Friday. No, no. So thrown off right now. <laughs> I know we're going to have to have it right now. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Maybe we'll take the rest of the week off. But yeah, thanks for having this chat with me today, Brayden. It's been yeah, awesome. my pleasure. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Don't forget to rate and review our show wherever you listen to podcasts. Next week, I'm joined by Melina Palmer to discuss her new book, What Your Customer Wants and Can't Tell You. See you then.